Hey pigs, it's Nailed, a Halo by Halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. But this is not a Halo, is it? No, it's no. not. And that's because this is our first ever bonus episode, right? Yeah. So, I guess if you're hearing this, uh, thank you. <laughs> um, and congratulations, you're getting the bonus content. And what are we doing tonight, Jess? We are talking about Purest Feeling, the pre-Pretty Hate Machine demo that Trent recorded between, let me rephrase that, that Trent recorded after uh, hating all the bands he was in in Cleveland and wanting to branch out on his own. Mm. The demo that was infamously recorded when he was working at Right Track Studios in Cleveland. After he... Mopped the floors. He, <laughs> uh, late at night, everyone had gone home, and he'd turn on the tape machine and fire up the console and uh, start recording his own stuff. Yes, he would. But, but he had some help. It wasn't just alone, but we'll get to that. Okay, I hope you know more about that than I do, because I don't. Well, I don't. I just know that there was at least a drummer there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I I might know th- I might know the drummer's name. I, I don't think that... Anyone is sure of this, but I, I'll, I'll look it up. Do you want to say any background about it before we jump yeah. into listening to it? I thought that we could talk about the uh, the portrait of Trent as a young artist, right? Just kind of get a glimpse into what was going on uh, pre-Pretty Hate Machine, pre-moving to Cleveland even. Just kind of a, a young person finding his way. Yes, so, working at a keyboard store. This is even before that. <laughs> oh, wow. We're going back. We're going back to... Uh, high school band playing sax? Uh, no. Marching band? Graduating high school, right? Okay. So whenever he graduated um, high school, he lived in a small town uh, called Mercer in Pennsylvania, and he enrolled in Allegheny College in Meadville, which was about 30 miles away. So it's the equivalent of me going to Marshfield High School and enrolling in Missouri State University. Like 30 miles away, just up the road. So pretty, uh, Yeah, I can imagine that pretty easily since that's kind of what we did. Yeah. And when he was there, he was starting studies in computer engineering and music. Okay. So um, I've kind of discussed this article in The Fader before from um, 2013 when they had the icon issue featuring Trent Reznor. And they had like a a short oral history of Nine Inch Nails. And in it, they interviewed his college girlfriend, Andrea Mulrain. She is a former A&R representative or A&R person for um, Atlantic Records. Mm -hmm. And they met in college at Allegheny College. And she described Trent as standing out from the crowd. The school was very conservative, very preppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said he looked like a mod or a new waiver, which to me, those seem very different, but well, okay. he could be somewhere between the two new waiver. Definitely. From what I've seen from certain pictures I have downloaded Just cheekbones and hair for new waivers. That's all mm-hmm. I ever think of. Um, anyway, she said he looked like he just stepped out of a music video. And so she was intrigued by him. And when she first approached him, she asked him, are you from New York? And he said, no, I'm from Mercer. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> So, um, and she describes him as even at the time being just obsessed with music. And he was in a band called Option 30. And she and like her girlfriends would go see him play. And he just couldn't really 
devote like time to both studies and music. Like he was very music oriented and he just didn't like university was not working out for him. He knew what he wanted to do and it was not Mm -hmm. that world. Right. Just like me. That's why I was no good at college. But he uh, she talked about how he was just obsessed with music and had one of the first memory mogs in America. A memory mog. What is that? Uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not that. I mean, I know about sense and stuff a little bit, but let me look it up real quick. I've probably seen it. Moog keyboards, by the way, are really expensive. So he saved up for this thing. Maybe it was his graduation present or maybe he took the money okay. he got from graduating and spent it all on that. So you can get uh, an original memory Moog used online for between 13 and 15 thousand dollars yeah i was about to say it's probably in the thousands there uh damn it looks cool though Mm. it's got the wood paneling that's uh that moog is known for pretty cool though so yeah he was a he was a keyboard uh a keyboard aficionado uh he shredded on the on the synth yeah trent himself when talking about college at least in this rolling stone article i found by jonathan gold in 1994 Um, Mm -hmm. he said whenever he went to school for a year, it was super fraternity oriented and he just never felt like he fit in. But when he started to hang around at better colleges, he realized that there's just so much music that he just had never heard, never even been exposed to. And it was everything from like the test department to ecstasy, um, these like bands he never knew existed. And also just all these kind of one hit wonder synth bands that were just all over the airwaves at the time, like Devo yeah. and Human League, right? So it was interesting. Devo's not s- a one hit wonder band. I mean, if you ask anyone about Devo, what okay. are they gonna say? All right. I get what you're saying with, okay. with Whip It, but Yes. I mean if you ask my mom, she would say Whip It. Yeah, and but they have she would also never be able to name any album that they'd ever <laughs> produce. Like it's one of those things. I feel like people know freedom of choice. And their first record. Do you think my mom knows that? No. I'm talking about the general okay. public. Moms. If we're just talking about moms, <laughs> fine. I'm talking about the general public. Probably to sees Devo as a one-hit wonder. But yeah. So he just thought it was interesting that these like new synth bands were just kind of edging out like Springsteen and Rush. Like these, mm-hmm. you know, these like established rock artists. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how synthesizers were becoming more affordable and sequences for home computers were just coming out. And when he stumbled into all that harder-edged music... That incorporated electronic elements so that would be industrial. It fit with things that were in his head and everything began to make sense to him. So he drops out of school, moves to Cleveland and plays in a series of what Rolling Stone described as lousy Cleveland bands. <laughs> <laughs> so his first band was um, Option 30, which we talked about. Are they like New Wave? What are they? Actually, I didn't even look to see if I could find anything from them. I, I figured that that was just so... Let me check real quick. But. Sure, a lot of our listeners have have heard them. I don't think they ever made it. <laughs> but I remember hearing the name from Trent Reznor's biography. I'm just assuming they're New Wave. Actually, they may be something weird, like a dub band. <laughs> dub reggae or something even weirder. Hold on. I, I'm, I'm afraid that that's what they are. Please don't say that. Hold on, this one actually says Trent Reznor before Nine Inch Nails. It's a cover. Let's see if I can guess what it is. Oh, 
It's Trent on the uh, whirly sounds. Were they a cover band? Not terrible. Longest intro of a song <laughs> in history. That's the Trent. That's Trent. Sounds like him. Sounds like he's doing a uh, Elvis Costello. Total one-hit wonder. His vo- Uh-oh. Oh, okay. So weird. kind of amazing right it's Derek Com- Commissar I don't know if I'm saying that right what the hell okay what's one of their original songs sound like okay um let's see I told you they're dub reggae were they all white what do you think it's I'm the guess. rust belt it's Cleveland <laughs> God. Wow. The tide is no. high. Okay, sorry. <laughs> is Trent playing a. Who's singing? Am I going crazy? There's a Trent quality to that vocal. Was he really into the police here? Like, what's going on? Everything is a different, like, put on. I feel like I'm in. I feel like the Matrix is glitching. Like, what is happening? I've never listened to this before, this by the really way. This is really weird. A Neither have I. This is really weird. That sounds like it him. Sounds Am like, I crazy? Yeah, it sounds like okay. him doing a fake accent. It sounds like him doing an interpretation of, like. Bob Marley? Well, I was thinking, like, Sting, who was white British reggae, right? Yeah, but also doing a weird accent. I don't know. Okay. I, I shouldn't, I sh- should stop saying things about this before, like, the real, real heads uh, freak out on me for not knowing what's up. So he moves to Cleveland, and he is briefly in a band called The Urge, which was a cover band for sure. That one was. The Urge. Yes. Not to be confused with The Urge that had like minor yeah, hits in the say, 90s. That's already right? a band. Yeah. yeah. So then he was in a band called The Innocent, which released an album in 1985 called Living on the Street. He auditioned for this band when he was 19, and he Whoa. did not play on the album, but I believe that he's on the cover of uh-huh. the album. Oh, I think I've seen that. Yes. So Nice um, glamour shot. He he was in a lot of damn bands. Well, yeah. So that's kind of how it works, though. Yeah. So uh, he describes this as foreigner crap, Dinosaur mm-hmm. AOR bullshit rock. What's AOR, Blake? Album oriented rock. That's right. Um, like the fragile. And so I was reading an uh, article by Chris Heath and details from April of 1995. 
And he was kind of embarrassed when the journalist brought it up. And he was just like stupid, dumb, and ridiculous. 1983 sissy. You got me. I'm an idiot. I've tried to hide it. It was the one thing I was waiting for someone to throw at me. So... What was it again? The Innocent? The Innocent. And the okay. album was called Living on the Street. So here's just a Living little... Living on the Street. <laughs> and the album reminds me of like... Like my mom had a Cinderella album. And I, I couldn't tell you what the name of the album was. But like they're standing in like an alley and everything's uh-huh. like kind of as dark it's night everything's like wet like post rain and there's like steam uh-huh. or smoke coming up behind them and they're just dry ice yes it's like very 80s so yeah. okay here we go sounds about right so this is the first track who did he compare it to foreigner he said yeah i, I mean yeah i hear that Oh, yeah. My dad would have loved this band. <laughs> Imagine if if Trent went on to be in a band that dads loved. That's not Trent. No. I can say that with authority. Yes. I can see people in a Cleveland bar thinking this really, this really cooks. Yeah. So that's just an example of... Let's see what the chorus is like. Okay. <laughs> wow. What's this song called? We don't know. We have no title. Okay. It might itself be called Living in a Street. Is that Trent on the keys? Because no, because he never recorded on the album. That's crazy. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Well. Okay, if he didn't play okay. on it, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a taste of it. So he was not in there for very long. He ended up joining another Cleveland band. This band was called the Exotic Birds. Um, so this another member of Exotic Birds was Andy. I don't know how to say this last name. I'm going to totally butcher it. Kubazuski. <laughs> Pretty good. Is that close? <laughs> I haven't seen the spelling, but I'm going to okay. say you're right. Um, and he later, after Exotic Birds broke up, he later drummed with the the. Ah, the, the, the. The, the? Is it the, the or the, the? I think you can say either. I, I said the, the. I knew them because they were on Nothing Records later on, and I had a, a an album of theirs. Ah. He also played drums on The Downward Spiral. I didn't research to see what track, so that will be something that we can look later. Wait, what was his name? Andy. Oh, no, I, the one. Okay, the one that's hard to say. Yes. He played drums on. Kubazuski is how I'm going to say it. I wonder if it was like the, the really rock out part of Ruiner. I don't know. Um, we'll look into that. And then he also played drums for Prick, which is another Nothing Records mm. band, Cleveland okay. band. And he was a member of Stabbing Westward. Oh, God. It all mm-hmm. fucking connects here. All you know? connects. Yeah. So uh, during this era, he was an Exotic Birds. And I thought it might be fun. Here is a clip oh, I can't wait. from a 1980s interview oh. <laughs> on a local Cleveland I've seen channel. This. this is classic. You got to see his hair it's to get Trent the full being effect. Interviewed about electronic music and about exotic birds, and also I think Thomas Dolby is in this for some reason. Oh. Off the air, and you'll be off for a great look. It up for the, the hair. Theater. Now wait until six o'clock, please, and good luck. Finally, over the last ten weeks, we've introduced you to many talented local musicians <laughs> in our Cleveland Breakout me. Concert Series. This week's trio is no exception. 
On our final edition of The Breakout, our man on music, Dave Tarver, shows you how the exotic birds have made modern music very popular in this area. Modern technology has Is that Thomas Dolby? Yes. And play. It has even changed the way the human art form of music is made. Computer composer Thomas Dolby blinded us with science in 1982 with his computerized high-tech sound. He defends the accusation that his synthesized style takes the human element out of music. I'm just using the most up-to-date tools available to make my music. It's almost as though the computer is my instrument the way the piano is Elton John's or the guitar is Johnny Mitchell's. You know, it's my accompaniment for my song. I play the computer like... Is it really so controversial? I guess by the time I was a teen, it just... People are dumb. Here's Exotic Birds. ...electric dance music with the aid of computers. They use a technique known as sampling. Sampling? ...sequences of sounds into the computer to be recalled during the performance. Can the computer make a song? ...that for their style, the computer is an essential element of the music. Our particular style of music is a very dance-oriented... Trent. ...kind of uh -huh. thing that, um... That is an element of cool the song that would sound bad if a human was trying to play. It doesn't make any difference how a song is played. If it's a good song and people like the song, whether it's a rock and roll song, whether it's a disco song, whether it's, you know, a polka, it doesn't matter. We just use different instruments than other people do, and I refer to the computers as instruments. The misconception the live show's pretty good. people have about their computer is that it creates the music itself. <laughs> In fact, just like people any are computer, so dumb. musical computer must be programmed. It doesn't create, it recreates. It's only as talented as its programmer. When you mention talent and creativity, that blend equals the exotic bird. Drummer's pretty good, he's tight. It's very hard to play two sequenced electronic stuff as we will learn listening to Peter's feeling. Trent is, is very into this, or at least he's, he's acting as if he is. I and ear of the music industry when they opened for the Culture Club in 84 at the Coliseum. This year promises to soar the birds to new heights. The past 10 weeks we've seen a great example of the musical talent in I mean, our city. Hopefully in 87 we'll let the rest of the nation in on our secret. I'm the man on music, Dave Tarbert, for Live on Five. Dave Tarbert. Hard to imagine. <laughs> How did they avoid making Flock of Seagulls comparisons and then do more bird jokes in there? Like, that <laughs> That was right on the Aww, table. Yeah. So, yeah. it was also during this era that Trent um, had his only real film role. Other than... Well, Are we counting Twin Peaks to Twin Return? Twin Peaks to Return. TV show. He wasn't in Lost Highway, was he? <laughs> I nah, do I not remember Unless him. he was in the background somewhere and no one yeah, knows about. Yeah, I don't know. Was he the uh, scary thing that jumps out from behind a dumpster? Yes, he, in... played, the, he played the trash can man, Oscar the Grouch, <laughs> the guy that scared the holy shit out of me when I was like 18 or whenever that movie came I'm out. I'm not kidding though, Blake. When I first saw that movie, number one, I was scared. Number two, I went, was that Trent Reznor? I am not kidding. Are you serious? It yes. does not. It's that one character actor. It does not look like Trent Reznor. <laughs> No, it's not a character. Oh no, the character actor the is character the one actor who is faints. The one who sees him. I forget his name, but I do too. When he but... when he falls backward and like faints, that's that was me in that moment. <laughs> I had the same reaction. No, I did too. Mulholland Drive is like my fucking oh, nightmare. God. Okay, so he was in Paul Schrader's film that was filmed in Cleveland. Paul Schrader. That's right. Light of Day. He needs to score a Paul Schrader film already. And he was right? in the 
I know that he would. Trent's obviously a huge movie guy. Was huge on Taxi Driver. Didn't Schrader write that, direct that, both? He wrote it, baby. I think Martin Scorsese directed it. Oh, that's right. I'm dumb. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Schrader wrote that. Just saying it's all connected. Also, uh, this film, Light of Day, it starred Michael J. Fox and Joan Jett. Joan Jett looking pretty hot in this as I was Ooh. watching it. And uh, I believe Michael McKeon is in this. Interesting. Is he playing someone in a band? Yes. A bar band? The band oh. is called The Problems. Just wait. There's <laughs> a, a joke about it. There's Michael McKeon, right? Uh-huh. Well, what are you going to do now? Is look that Joan? Her. That's yeah. Joan Jett. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't like yes, that look. I, love <gasps> I thought Sorry. she looked lovely. <laughs> I like the black hair. Who are they? Oh, that's one of Oog's cut rate specials. Concept rock. The problems. Yeah, they used to be called sins. Now they're just problems. <laughs> Let's get drunk. I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> How'd you like that joke? I don't. I can hear him. Yeah. It's like four dudes singing uh-huh. simultaneously and hitting drum <laughs> drum triggers. And there's Michael J. Fox and, smoking <laughs> and partying. I don't believe that this is a real movie. It's a real movie, and we're going to watch it together. It looks made up. You know I'm, what? Maybe as a bonus episode, we could do a, a uh, commentary. Yeah. Watch along. Everyone loves Michael McKeon, right? And Michael J. Fox. Yeah, the two Michaels. Yes. The only Michaels that ever mattered, other than Michael is Trent Reznor. Are those Trent's hands on the keys? I believe Sometimes, so. Sometimes, yeah. somewhere on the road that we'd make it, you know? You never did. So this was also filmed with Frank Vale, who was also in Exotic Birds, and Mark Addison, who was not. What year was this again? 87. The year before Pierce Failing. We don't have to watch the whole is thing. Is there any like actual Trent in it? Because He have... was very briefly in it okay. whenever they first showed the band in a wide like, oh, shot. Okay. So he doesn't really get a close-up. And close you could kind of hear him singing. <clears throat> he doesn't get a close-up, does he? Maybe we can. Maybe he says something shitty as they're packing their gear. Let's watch. Oh, now they're loading up. Uh-huh. I've carried a snare in my time to your car. <laughs> yeah, I made her do it, folks. Nope. <laughs> it just okay. kind of abruptly just ends. <laughs> All right. You know, that doesn't sound like... That doesn't. That didn't look like something I would enjoy a lot, but good for him. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it was through Exotic Birds that he met his former manager and Nothing Records co-founder John Mom, because he was the manager of Exotic Birds. So after the band broke up, Trent lent his talents to a band called Slam Bamboo. Slam Bamboo, a name I'll never forget as long as I live. Do you think it's the it may be the greatest band name ever conceived. Many of you will recognize Slam Bamboo from various uh, GIFs online. Well, there's some great shots in this one, so look it up. Scene Magazine says about our next guest, this band has everything it takes to make it big. <laughs> Doing their single now called Everything? Fire, let's welcome Slam Bamboo. Just... The passion of Trent in this. You've got to see this amazing. front man. He's a goof. To you. To you. This is definitely pre, like playing along to a recording. Can I say that they have the prettiest member hidden behind like a column? <laughs> the fucking <laughs> singer and his floppy hair and his dance. Yeah, very faked. Kevin Bacon on guitar. Everybody has a mullet, folks. 
I think they definitely wanted to be Tears for Fears. You know what? I think if I were a front man, I would have to play. In- There's Trent. Aww. Trent seems. Trent seems very happy to be there. But he also seems like he doesn't fit in. He's yeah. wearing all black. Right, all black leather jacket. He uh-huh. looked, he's got cool black hair. So when he started dyeing that hair, jet black. It's kind of emo hair. Mm-hmm. But he's off to the side, like practically out of the shot. There's a column blocking him. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Also, every other member is wearing like very bright colors. Right. This is when Trent was discovering himself, I think. (laughs) He was maybe just doing this for uh, maybe a little extra cash, maybe. Sure. He was just playing 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 keyboards for hire. Keyboard is for hire. I mean, you do what it takes so you can pay the rent and buy ramen, you guys. You know? I think I like it better than option 30. I'll say that. This is, this reminds me of uh, Dance Party USA, the down in it pre-recorded performance. Yeah. But I will say that if I were a frontman, I would have to play an instrument because I would not be able. You got to dance people, like this dude. Yeah, I don't want to dance like that guy. I'd feel so awkward. Drummer, I'd have to. Drummer's mullet is one of the most severe mullets I've ever seen in my life. I just can't get over front people. What is that guy playing? I, we got a he- okay, so we got a headless bass. One of the, I don't. I'm not a bass guy. I don't know what it is. One of those goofy little ones with with no headstock. They're really selling, faking, uh, lip syncing this. They have everything it takes to make it big. Got that lip sync talent. Slam bam. Now, why don't we know the? Why isn't the name Slam Bamboo big these days? Good question. I don't know. I don't know why this song never took off for them. House on fire? I mean, the song is fire. And they didn't. They never cut back to Trent either. And okay, no, here, he's in there so here's briefly. Here's the master like shot. Said, master shot. He's not the in wide it. shot with the whole band. He's not even. In there he is. You see him. Oh, in the background, My right God, behind he, a column, Blake. Terrible. He moved briefly. Anyway, he started recording Pura's Feeling. It was 1988. I found things that say like November 1988. Yeah. Um, he began shopping that demo around, and he even sent it to Andrea. His former college girlfriend who was working at Atlantic Records at the time. And um, he, you know, wrote a little note and said that he was sending it out to several labels and getting a positive response. And uh, she said that she was impressed by the production quality and caliber of songwriting. Wow. But was a little bit surprised by the musical direction he'd chosen because it was a lot more aggressive and edgier than anything he'd done before. It's so weird to call purist feeling edgy. Looking back on it now. To call it edgy is very weird. I guess if you're used to the guy that was in option 30. If you've heard Slam Bamboo and that and <laughs> nothing edgier than that, yeah, I guess it might seem edgy. Yeah. So she said that even her boss at Atlantic Records asked if she could get her old boyfriend in for a meeting, but it was already too late and Trent had already signed to TV Tunes, a.k.a. TVT mm. Records. So what do you think uh, life would have been like for Trent if he had signed to Atlantic um, probably no broken. I don't know. I mean, it might be the same stuff, but he'd have a less horrible relationship with the, or maybe it would be just as bad or worse. I don't know. I don't know. He was always meant to be independent, I think, and just was fighting 
uh, tooth and nail, no pun intended, uh, and for decades until he could be. So, yeah. So I think that's all I have to say before we move on. I also think that this Andrea is the Annie that he refers oh, really? to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, that's jumping way ahead to downward spiral, but I, that's an answer I've never gotten. Is that just something you think? I think he's confirmed it, but we'll, oh, we'll look it up. Okay. Cause I'd never got the answer to that. We're, we're jumping way ahead. We should talk about Pierce. He said that he's definitely has said that Anna refers to a college girlfriend and the only college girlfriend I know is this one. So, so strange. Okay. Yeah. Pierce feeling. All right. Do you want to take a quick break? I want some um, more olives, sure. buddy. <laughs> and I need some water. Big bowl of olives. We'll be right back. Are we ready? Okay, to- should I play some purest feeling? Yeah, let's do it. The purest feeling demo opens with a track called Slate or Intro, which leads into Sanctified. And here we go. So we start out with like two solid minutes of drum percussion noises what do you think of this well there's a lot of uh ping pong oh yeah the ping pong or panning left to right effect is we'll hear it we're gonna hear it the whole throughout the whole thing i think i said on a different i like episode, it when this comes in do you hear that that synth thing oh that yeah, left to right. I, I was joking someone needed to take the pan knob away from Trent uh, when he was... I don't know if he mixed this. I'm guessing he had a hand in mixing it. I don't know if we know who actually mixed it, but man, that, that panning. Just... It could make you dizzy. Oh, it does. Especially right listening in headphones. Yeah, we're listening in headphones. Just left to right constantly. So here comes that. that We know that from here in Sanctified on Pretty mm-hmm. Hate Machine. That little beat. There's a, a guitar. Okay. Some of the sounds we know from Sanct- the... the album version of Sanctified, some of the sounds we have not heard. Interesting choices have been made to start the album this way. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Whenever you like shop a demo, is it usually as long as nine songs, or are they it usually shorter? Long. I Wait, Wait for this. Nice little count. Yeah, so yeah. it leads into a, a a drummer clicking off a four count. And what is that? It's a live acoustic drum kit played along to our slap bass sequence. It's very weird to me that Purest Feeling has a live drummer through almost all of it, rather than... It's not all of it, though. It's almost all of it. I'll try to point out where there's live drums versus sequence and stuff. Um, 
makes a weird difference between the two records. I'm really glad he went the direction of Pretty Hate Machine. It just sounds better going full drum machine mode. The thing with this that I first notice is, first of all, it's hard It's hard to play. I know from experience it's hard to play drums in lockstep with sequenced elements. And this drummer is pretty good at it, but it's obviously not perfect if you're really hypersensitive to rhythm like I am. Um, this The drummer may be Ron Musara, who was the first drummer for the Nine Inch Nails live show. Uh, that played, name sounds really familiar. Ron Massara played with them when they opened for Skinny Puppy in 1988. Okay, so he was part of that, that lineup. 88, 89. Yeah, their, their very first tour was it was Puppy. It was 88. Okay, 88. Yeah, man. Before Pretty Hate Machine, yeah, they opened for Skinny Puppy. Anyway, so you got the, the problem of the drums don't line up perfectly with some of the sequence stuff and so it gives you a little bit of it's off it feels off a little bit and then that guitar that jangly kind of u2 sounding guitar that which i kind of like bursts in the beginning yeah my problem with it is that it has a delay effect on it and it's another element that doesn't is not in lockstep because that right there that guitar yeah I wonder if I like it just because I like early U2. <laughs> so it makes me think of them. In my opinion, yeah, it, it is just like that. In my opinion, that that delay needs to be mathematically set to match the BPM, or else it's good, it's all thrown off. It, it doesn't sound good to me. I'm, I think the eliminating that for the album version of Sanctified was the correct choice. They could have pulled it off if they had a, a perfectly synced delay effect. Did you did you get any of that, or am I just fucking nuts? If you think I have the same kind of knowledge, I'm, I'm not talking listening a, to albums that I, you do. I'm with not your talking about audio background. audio knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just what your ears hear. If it sounds off. To me, it sounds off, but only because I'm used to the album version. Okay, all these... Fierce Feeling has uncleared samples of stuff What is this? I don't know what this is. I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. I I think for some of these samples, no one has figured out yet what they are. I Googled. I tried to Google the the dialogue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could not find it. Yeah. 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 Uh, There's a few we'll talk about, but... The album almost throughout the whole demo has, it's like watching TV in the background. It's weird. It's a weird choice to make. I think it comes from like influenced by Tackhead and all those people who used to just have. Like the collage of like just, yeah. just found sounds, I guess, yeah. or audio just, sounds. Just samples, samples people talking, people going talking. in the background the yeah. whole time. And also, I feel like the downward spiral, there's just something but horror. Yeah. Oh yeah, played that in is the true. background the entire time. He does continue having yes. all these samples, but it's a little more subtle than just like playing a sitcom in the background yeah. <laughs> or a movie, or moving dialogue to the front. You know, of yeah, a, the mix. We'll hear just how uh, obvious it gets. Sanctified is a, a lot. So for the this same. one, 
you prefer the the Pretty Hate Machine version? I think yes. I do. Because of the rhythmic problems. There's like an interesting like that synth that that thing that's kind of bending upward. Mm -hmm. That's not in the album version. I feel like his vocals are better on the uh, Pretty Hate Machine version. Yeah. But not not my favorite song in any sense. Strange to have the album open with it. So we're going to move into what I think is the... Everything flows into each other. Is this the banger of the album? Okay, I asked this because I feel like this is rumored to be part of the collection of songs that Trent sent to record labels, right? Because you really care. Yes. Of course, but so maybe just once like, is what we're going into now. Yeah. Lot, lot, okay, lots of noise and then this clip from the movie Diner. Starring Mickey Rourke. Right. And Ellen Barkin. It's got their dialogue. It takes a while to get to the hook, but then it's like a super pop I, hook. I feel like TVT, when they heard this, were like, this is it. This is going to sell millions of copies. Do you this think is <laughs> that new wave synth pop sound we're looking for. It's got the one of the cheesiest synth pad patches coming up here. Um, do you think because they... Am I allowed to say that I like it, though? Yeah, I, I like it in a I way. I like it. I like it in a way, in a way. I think it's very of its time, and it I think that's why I like it. It sounds so comforting listen. to me. What does this sound like? It just sounds like a lot of I guess there's a lot of synths from stuff. that time. Yeah. It's like, it, it doesn't fit with Nine Inch Nails. No. It would not fit on Pretty Hate Machine, I don't think. It, well, not the way Pretty Hate Machine evolved. No. It, as a song unto itself there's something there i think the execution could have been improved but I, as a demo you know i like okay. i kind of like it yeah it's it's catchy i mean it's still got kind of it's got cheese ball lyrics because he yes. was learning to yes. write songs this is catchy here this hook that wild little This is all catchy stuff. Yeah. And I, I think that's why TVT called Pretty Hate Machine an abortion, was they were expecting this, and they got terrible yeah. lie. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I. One of the things, oh, what was it on? And something I heard that I got the impression that when he moved from from live drummer to all to all fake drums, mm -hmm. all sample drums. They didn't like that choice. And they were mad about that change mm -hmm. for whatever reason. But the There's, drummer's fine. I don't think they got a great drum. It's a pretty boring drum sound to me. Now, this song was actually played during their first tour with Skinny Puppy in 88. That would be fucking incredible. Why is there no rec recording of there that? There might be. I haven't no. checked around. I see. think we'd, we would have heard about it by now. I bet you and I in Live Archive might have a very early show where this is performed. Okay, you want my hot take about the future? What? The future of NIN performances. You 
sit down. Okay, this part. Somebody th- said they thought this was a preacher. I would love to find out what this is, but nobody knows. It's my life's mission to find out what weirdo that is. Anyway. Oh, no. Um, going forward, we're in kind of a post-pandemic, like, fuck it, let's do whatever the fuck we want. Uh, Not everyone. Because we're alive now. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, let's make our life really count now that we've survived a pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm saying is that Nine Inch Nails should tour again playing this song, playing Purest Feely. Uh-huh. Playing all the weird shit, playing. That's what I get over and the, over. Playing the purest feeling version of "That's What I Get," the purest feeling version of "Kind I Want To." I honestly just want to see, hear this reinterpreted by a much older and wiser. I Trent. know. I want it so. I want Atticus, you know, doing his thing. Yeah. They could replace that cheesy pad with something a little cooler. Yeah. It Honest- would be fucking rad. People would eat it up. Yeah. One thing I've always loved about Pretty Hate Machine and even about some parts on this demo is I feel like it's relatable because he's got this earnest ag- aggression. Like this earnest angst. Yeah. Like he's very... It's very uh, vulnerable. And yeah. I'm, I'm making myself so vulnerable that sometimes so, it's almost embarrassing. Yeah. It's, well, it. we'll get to the lyrics that are embarrassing. Right, I mean, right there. I mean, that's pretty raw. I could see him performing it, just like rolling around <laughs> on the stage. I mean, it'd be it's, it'd be so weird to do as a mid fifties man, you know. Oh, not now. I was talking about you know. Oh yeah, I mean, whenever he was that, twenty, you know, I would love to see what five that was and like. Touring. Just so weird. A wild, a wild track, a, a lost to time. Didn't make it to Pretty Hate Machine, but it's got big single energy, you know? It really does. Okay, so all these noises lead into the only time. Like, weird placement for this song, knowing it's, what is it, second to last on Pretty Hate Machine? I definitely don't like this. I definitely like the Pretty Hate Machine version of The Only Time better. But I gotta say, my moral standing is lying down. Sounds good either way. Pretty Hate Machine or purest feeling. <laughs> it didn't have the little, the choir ooh no, no leading oohs. up to devil yeah. fucking me in back of my car. Missing that kind of humor, It didn't I have guess. The, pa- the pause for the punchline. Uh-huh. Of course, live drums here. He, he definitely is clever enough to know how to improve upon these songs, and he did. It's so wild that he got a lot of buzz around this demo. Like, if this came out, if this demo came out today, well, it, would it impress people? Well, no. No, not in this landscape. Well, because our musical... The things we have access to now are yeah. world so advanced. I so can, no one would make something this primitive. Yeah, everybody can make something more technically impressive than this on their iPhone. And I 
that sounds shitty, but I mean, you have to know what you're doing. But but then again, I could see like Pitchfork really praising a band who just did something like this kind of retro and <laughs> All, like, like a throwback entirely to it. like hardware uh, yes. synthesizers and sequencers. Just to be contrarian. I think Pitchfork should go back and give Pierce Feeling a rating. <laughs> this song I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. I don't want to read their rating. The song's mostly the same, but a lot of little details are changed around. Here we go. Here, Jessica's favorite line, for some reason. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I like the drums all around better on the album. On Pretty Hate Machine? Yeah. Yeah. Although I think these drums work better on That's What I Get. Yes, we'll we'll get we'll talk about that. There's a that's a whole thing. These songs are all long too <laughs> they kind of go I think on, down you know? in it is like oh, seven yeah. minutes or so it's like six it just, minutes yeah, it it's just, long it kind of just goes that's on that's a long like intro or if I remember correctly it's a more like a long outro but yeah there's also an intro Do you remember when I thought it was just droning on and on, but it was just our air conditioner? <laughs> yeah, that was. was like, what's that, what's that cool, like, synth sound he's making? No, I didn't. I said, what's that drone? <laughs> I mean, when compared to stuff he's done later in his career, it's not that off the mark. Our air conditioner is very loud. Right, it's really it obnoxious. And I should totally sample it though for my noise groans. project. Right? Yeah, it it scares me when it clicks on. Yeah, I always jump it's a little. Too fucking loud. Ugh, I hate it. You think it's over, but it just keeps going. This is the only time I really that weird little. Thing. It's it. It made it onto Pretty Hate Machine. Another thing about this demo, his vocal sound is very weird. It's so bathed in reverb that it is more. It sounds like it's more wet than it is dry, and that's a technical term. Does it sound bathed in reverb to you, especially compared to Pretty Hate Machine? Why are you doing that? Tell me that it sounds more wet than dry again. It sounds more wet than dry in his vocal. <laughs> it's just like drowning in it. And his vocal's way back in the mix. Not normal for, for pop music. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, let's fucking go. Kind of I want to original Can I say house mix. Love it. <laughs> this, yeah, okay. I wrote yes. Deathmore New Wavy. Yeah, early house techno, uh -huh. new wave. I think there are problems with this, but I think there's, with a few tweaks, there could be a version of this that is better than kind of I want to on Pretty Hate Machine. 
and I want to hear this live in 2022. Right there, I like that vocal melody better. Mm-hmm. That funky little bass, that clap, these goofy little synths. So wild, how did like? Why do you think he changed it so much? Maybe it was influence of producers who came in and maybe, maybe he's just like, this is cheese ball. I'm taking all the cheese ball. He might off. have. He might have discovered or gotten more into. Okay. Sorry. Acoustic guitar. That's very jarring. The chorus it just has this acoustic guitar comes comes in. But yeah, like all the So the the best songs, I mean, let's face it, the best songs aren't on this one. They were written after for Pretty Hate Machine Sin. Terrible lie. Had like, like a hole. hole. Um, something I can never have. Right. Something I can never have. Mm-hmm. So it's it's such a weird demo. It's like the lesser songs of Pretty Hate Machine plus a, a few corny singles that were too corny for Pretty Hate Machine but have their own charms. I still like maybe just once. Yes. Do I care for purest feeling? Pierce's feeling is Let's, less we'll than maybe just it. once. Yeah. It's not quite as, doesn't bang quite as hard. It's a little goofy. Okay, listen to that acoustic. It's <laughs> <laughs> so wild. So wildly, like everything's different instrumentally. Totally reworked the song. He must have had an attachment to this song. To not for long though, because it didn't, didn't last. I mm-hmm. probably played it on the first tour or so. But okay, this. I don't know if I care for this part. No. This could be a cut and paste for, for anything, <laughs> like this bridge. Okay, th- now this I do like. It's building this building part. The way the chord builds, and then the way the vocal part builds after that, I kind of love. Yeah. Definitely like that better than the Pretty Hate Machine version. And the way that this... Okay, so this... This new acoustic guitar chord progression comes in that overlays on top of that little synth uh-huh. in the beginning, and it sounds really nice overlaid on it. And you're like, oh, this is a new thing. I like that. I don't think there's an acoustic guitar on Pretty Hate Machine. I don't think. We hear it on later albums for sure. But yeah, definitely one. later albums. Such a weird use of it in this song, though. I remember I really wanted a guitar when I was like in seventh grade, and my mom bought me this really ugly, cheap acoustic guitar, and I hated it. Oh, yeah, everybody's mom bought them. Okay, this. The extra lyrics. 
So some of the lyrics that are in the lyric booklet, mm-hmm. I'll take my chance tonight. He doesn't say it on Pretty Hate Machine, but it does on this part. Yes. Aw. It's so, some of his is just like so sweet. I'll take my chance. You almost feel bad for the guy. I mean, you do feel bad for the guy. He just wants to get laid. <laughs> he's just horny, folks. Just give him some. I think he's just horny, but he sex. also. He's lonely. He's lonely. He's horny. He's angry. We've all yeah, been that there. anger and that horniness. We've all been that age. Some people turn into incels. Some people turn into okay. rock stars. You know. <laughs> exactly, but you can't be both. Okay, so now, the song that I have a lot of trouble with on Pretty Hate Machine. It's a very different. They took, for Pretty Hate Machine, he took all of the rock out of it. This, again, it has its issues, but with a few tweaks could be an excellent version that can and should be played live in 2022. This drum beat is everything. Like, big material girl vibes on this rhythm here. Almost made Jess spit out her drink. <laughs> Do you hear it? Do you hear what I'm hearing? Yes. Listen to the bass and drum beat. Yes. Um, I don't know why he made the change to a more like boring neutered? rhythm. It's slower, yeah, neutered, it's drumless. But this has a groove that I can get into. That's what I I'm, I, I, I mostly like that verse groove there. And yeah, knocking it up a few BPM helps a lot. Weird little synth thing going on in my left ear. So there, I, wrote, I wrote synthetic saxophone backing. Is that later on? That kid, did you notice on the kiss you he he puts less? It's it's good to put less of a pause in between kiss and you. Like he adds way more pause in the pretty hate machine version. I I, I don't think that's good. <laughs> Sounds better if you don't do a pause. I think. And I also think the chorus is better with that trusting you. It breaks up the monotony yeah. of the just saying that's what I get four times. This. Okay. Hang on. What is his voice doing there? <laughs> Let's he listen to that again. Play it again. I wasn't paying attention. It sounds like he's going up and his voice and he's not he's not hitting it like he's searching for the note. He's trying to hit a higher note and he and his voice just gives out. Kinda. It's kind of lost behind the the instruments. But think that I was so nice. I don't know. It's hard to tell what he's doing there, maybe but maybe he was crying. <laughs> maybe. As he sang. It didn't it didn't quite land. But probably still better than the the album version. Okay, this. 
The album needs a synth solo. This kinda rocks. I think that synth patch might be in the X-Files theme song. <laughs> the thing about it is, it's really, it sounds like a very straightforward, out-of-the-box synth patch. Like, he's not, he's not known for using a, um, like a default synth patch. So like, it comes with the keyboard. That's what mm -hmm. that, because I've heard that sound. Does that sound familiar to you? Okay, well, to me, it sounds like something that comes with a keyboard that's a default patch. And that's not what he does. So it's kind of, it's very jarring to hear it there. A lot of that squealing. Squealing synths in the background there. A lot more going on here in this version. voice going nuts oh here we go the titular track title track okay that saxophone we have to talk about it i wrote i was thinking of like 80s music videos and i wrote trent in saxophone silhouette <laughs> like, yes yes please gimme yeah okay and we have what sounds like what could be a sitcom in the background running through the whole song really weird do you think it's a sample of some other saxophone or is it trent playing the saxophone i'd like to think it's him i i want to think it's him yeah i don't know i honestly don't know there's so much that's sampled it could be stolen but it'd be cool if it was him that's there's like a bass guitar maybe that's like super high up a completely neutered bass is what i'm gonna call that and these weird little chimes it's a weird song it is a weird fucking like i get why he didn't keep it <laughs> That being said, I do want to hear it in 2022 on tour. Do you know that this song has never been played live? Really? Even on like the first tour with Skinny Puppy? From what I read. Okay. Well, probably hard to pull off with that, with the sax and everything. Well, she could be my savior. The reverb drops out here and his vocal sounds uncomfortably close to me. <laughs> <laughs> and like all of a sudden oh that's a weird effect <laughs> it's a weird choice the reverb just drops out there His vocals going nuts I love it can we do that again yeah wow he's doing a thing there no, is it like He's, some weird like Midwestern twang? Like what is no. happening? Happening? I, I can't even do it. He was just going. For, he was going for something. I he was trying for, to hit something. 
the song Wild. <laughs> Songs all over the place, dude. It does have the formula, the Pretty Hate Machine formula, of just saying the title of the song a bunch of times for the chorus. This is my favorite part. I've got it figured out. There's a cool vocal coming up. Right here. Cool. That I mean, that's a pretty good I performance like right there. Yeah, that sounds like later Trent. It like, really, really does. screeching. Yeah. And then that's the shortest song. That's a short ass song. Here we They're, go into Ring Finger. Well, I'm on, sorry. <laughs> on the well, okay Twist. on the on the version I'm playing mm-hmm. on the internet right now, it's it's labeled as Ring Finger, aka Twist, but it was called Twist at the time. It's a early version of Ring Finger. Some different lyrics. Prefer Ring Finger on Pretty Hate Machine for sure. I'm really, uh, yeah. He's he definitely knew what to change and what to fix, and and made it into a good song. And I'm glad that he ch- made the yeah. changes that he did. It's one it of those things better. where he really worked on the song and made it good. Yeah. Kind of like um, I think I'm not a big Smashing Punk- Pumpkins fan now. But when I was young, I was. And I think I read somewhere that 1979, like I think Alan Mulder or Flood, whoever was producing that track was like, eh, this is bad. We're not going to make it work. Oh, and on. Billy Corgan worked with it and worked with it, worked with it until he got it exactly where he wanted. And I feel like maybe Trent did that with Ring Finger. Of yeah, course, maybe. it's not a 1979, but I feel like artists get attached to a song and will rework it and rework it yeah. and rework it until they... Usually that method results in just you driving yourself insane, though, and you don't always... Maybe that's what happened to Billy. <laughs> I mean... 1979 broke him. You're definitely... Now he was like, guess what? Alex Jones. What's up? <laughs> Obviously, the chorus lyrics completely different. But you're not you're not guaranteed to have a good song if you just because you work on it over well, and no, over. Well, no, I mean, I think that's why you eventually have to give up on yeah, something. But I do think there are work, yeah. things that are pets that they're just like, I know, I know I can nail it, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that lyric's the same. At this little, the twist. Yeah. Twist, twist. That, that weird thing. It's so weird. The chorus is not nearly as cool on this version, I don't think. Oh no, it definitely isn't. I love the very, very the BDSM lyrics. I love the pain, baby. <laughs> Ooh. A lot of the same sounds, but it is missing a lot of samples, missing the Jane's addiction lead in to the Get me to do it. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> waka waka. But one of the you said Waka Waka. It's not Fozzie the Bear. It's Waka Waka. Yeah, that's what I did. Is it Fozzie who always says Waka Waka? Yeah, it is. Oh, God. Adam would got, punch me. Okay, what? This sounds like the same guitar performance. So no, I think I think it's, yeah. Um, there is an important sample that is in this version that I'll point out later. One that we, Jess and I, drove ourselves almost to the brink of fucking insanity to isolate this sample. Why was it so hard for us? I don't know. 
I think our brains were just not working that day. You make it hurt real good. Yeah, it, it became something way more mysterious. Like ring finger? What? What's that shit even mean? Guitar solo coming, I think. There it is. Of course, this one also has the the live drums. Very different feel. Here comes the Jane's Addiction part, where it should be. I can't do it. <laughs> God. Can anyone capture the essence that is Perry Farrell? I think not. No, no one can. No. I think it's a little faster on the album. A little bit Mark Siding. But the DNA of it is here. Instead of being the last track, it's the second to last track. doing down in it as a what do you think of doing down in it as an album closer it's weird yeah it is a little weird here's a little rap song for you to close out on i have a question like who how did this leak who put it out there maybe Trent and was it, it even trent's been known to do that is it even the order that he wanted it to be in well, I guess it is because it segues into each track, yeah, so never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they made sure of that. There's no denying. Yeah, there's no denying the, the track order. Okay, let's... I'm listening for these samples now. There it is. It's definitely prominent at the end. It comes up a bunch. So Prince, Alphabet Street, Car Screech, mm-hmm. right there. I think that beat, that weird beat might be directly lifted from Alphabet Street, too. Okay, a long intro to Down In It, that's all these horror movies sound. Did you, did you come across where this is taken from? I wrote that there were samples from Angel Heart, which is another Mickey Rourke movie. (laughs) This dude's into Mickey Rourke. I mean, if he had just sampled some dialogue from Nine and a Half Weeks, it'd be set. Uh, what happened to Mickey Rourke, by the way? Because I looked up what he looked like in Diner. Does not look like a Mickey Rourke today. Man. He changed, man. Have you he, looked him up in Nine and a Half Weeks? He aged, the sex movie with Kim Basinger? No, I haven't seen that. Well, number one, you don't have to watch it. He aged. You should watch really it. It has that hard. ice scene. It's really famous. I don't know. He aged. That's all. Wait, I'm was saying. it Kim Basinger in that movie? I don't know. He aged. That's all I'm saying. He was also a boxer, Blake. He was a boxer. He was a wrestler. A wrestler. IRL, he was a boxer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I believe. The movie's not called The Boxer. Okay, here we go. These drums don't work for me. (laughs) The drums are so improved on Pretty Hate Machine. All right, we don't need that. I'm glad they that 
he improved upon that beat. And the the performance is very different. It's a, it's a lot more aggressive here. The rapping style. Yeah, it is. And it's it's that kind of he changes it to that kind of laid back emo rap style. The song is mostly the same, just different feel. Very like just drum and voice, minimal. Okay, just showing me old Mickey Rourke. Yeah, I know. I get. I guess he got his face punched a lot. I guess that's what happened. Huh? Yes, he was in the boxing. Yes, you've said that. That scent there is a lot more bare. It's way out in the open. version have the rain rain go away yes this one's a bit more cheesy you think this version is more cheesy yeah i mean they both are but the whole demo is more cheesy i guess it's not that surprising Yeah, this is the only single, I think, that is actually on the demo. As long as it later became a single, I mean. Dropping the reverb in and out. I guess that's the live drummer still. It's kind of hard to tell. At least partially live drums. <laughs> Way more minimal. Those like synth pads there. There were no crowd noises, were there in this? Oh no. It's mm-hmm. those crowd noises really add a lot. I miss them. There it is. There we go. Okay. Instead of the abrupt cutoff, we get this. 
I prefer the abrupt cut Yeah, I do too. Doing the kind of slowed down tape machine. Maybe it's like this though because it's the closing track on the demo. Yeah, it's different as a closer. Yeah. Yeah, This shows six minutes, 18 seconds. It's That's a long down in it. It's a really long song. In general. That's like as long as Closer is. <laughs> like for real. And Closer's got a lot of shit going on. Closer so it's is a complicated dope. song. And then just in the demo on a bunch of noises and slowing it down. Weird choices. But you know, he was having fun in the studio. Playing around with the tape machine and the sampler. He was just a boy standing in front of a sampler. <laughs> Asking it to love him. Asking it to love him. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> oh, and now nice. the algorithm wants to play. Let's just rock out to Bad Witch. How about that? You know, let's skip ahead here. Ooh, that's kind of fire. Now I'm just like anxious to get into the later Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Well, we got to start somewhere, and this is where we're starting, so... So that's where it all began. That's where it all began, folks. This is how it begins. Um, <laughs> well... Are we gonna... Are we gonna what? rate it? Yeah. Is that what you're wondering? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we might as well. We've no, been rating we, I everything. I mean, we are. Yeah. We are gonna rate it. <laughs> okay. All right. So don't ask me if that's Look, a question. we're drinking Trentinis. Ugh. They were really strong tonight. Yeah. We're recording this after having recorded like the first four halos, mm-hmm. but you may be listening to this really early on in the game. If so, I'm sorry, but also <laughs> thank you for subscribing to our bonus content. Also, please yeah. love us. Just love us. That's all we want. We just want to be loved. Right. Not sober. Okay. What do you rate it? Oh, this is really hard. Why do I have to go first? I feel like I always go first. Oh, well, you don't have to. Okay. Look. Okay. 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 Here's how we rate things. We rate things in inches out of mm-hmm. nine. Nine is the most possible inches. How many inches do you rate Pierce feeling out of nine? Um, I'll go. I'll go. Okay. I'm going to say four. Mm, that's a little more harsh maybe than I would have guessed. Really? Because I, I was thinking that I was going to be harsh on it. Now, how do you explain your four? <laughs> Please don't be mad. If you're listening, don't be mad. It's that's... not anything against him or anything. Look. I mean, ev- everything is subjective, you know? These are just my thoughts and my feelings. Yes. It's obviously a beginning Mm-hmm. And you can see in hindsight, since we have Pretty Hate Machine, how some of these songs turned up and why some of the songs were excluded. It's awesome that he was able to improve so much upon a lot of this stuff. I'm going to change it to 4.5. Okay. So it's halfway there, right? Let me write this in my notebook. Yeah, okay. put it in your notebook. Halfway to halfway to nine, baby. <laughs> That's not bad. I think it's like a good start. I really like... For example, I like the uh, version of That's What I Get on here. Yeah. Uh, the I only think, version. <laughs> I think we both agreed that we liked kind of I Want To more than the Pretty Hate Machine version. Yeah, mostly. Uh-huh. I think maybe just once is kind of a banger. In a soft, soft pop way. Yes. In a, pop in way. a soft synth pop way. Soft synth pop, yes. Yes. Um, I I don't really care for the original version of Down In It. No. That's on here? No. I don't care for Twist. I mean, it got a lot better, yeah. <laughs> At least the, the lyrics, because the arrangement yeah. is... Yeah. Uh, purest Feeling, not my favorite. No. 
I wrote that this could have been marketed as a Robert Palmer-esque addicted to love <laughs> type song. Is what I wrote about Pierce feeling. feeling. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I just imagined like I don't know. I don't want to get into it. You but imagine I could see- the women dancing in the background yes. holding keytars. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah, with playing the sax, yeah. pretending to play that pretending sax. Pretending to play the sax while Trent crooned like Robert Palmer. I think that's how the, the major labels would have loved to have marketed it. Oh, anyway, they would have right? loved that shit. Because they're not creative at all. No. Um, no. But I, I'm i going to stick with 4.5 or 4. 4 to 4.5. Oh, you got to just make a decision. Round off. I'll just go to 4. All right. Four. I'll round down. I'll give it a five. Okay. <laughs> Most of mostly I just agree with what Jess said and maybe I'll rate it a little higher cause it's, you know, it's just that, that charm and nostalgia factor has to account for something. And it's, it's a, a starting point on the road to my favorite bands. Great music. It's weird to think about if you were like a record exec or whatever, and you're listening to this, like, mm-hmm. would you, would you want to buy this book? person's would you want to sign this person i think that the strength of the signing was based upon maybe just once oh it had to have been more than that though i i think that that was the song that record execs heard and thought you know their eyes turned into dollar symbols they're like this is a jack it uh, made a gold sound as it, their yeah. mouth opened and closed their head turned into a cash register their tongue turned into a cash drawer mm-hmm. popped out popped out cha-ching when Dollars they heard maybe just it. once i yes. get it um the thing is that i don't tvt wanted it but they didn't know what they were buying they didn't know they were buying a difficult but brilliant artist <laughs> who was going to just say fuck you in a few months and that's kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're like, oh, we love this. We want this. And then what they got, they didn't like. But what, what they ended up getting was better than whatever and dumb shit honestly, they wanted. And honestly, that caused problems uh, after the success of the unexpected in their mind success of Pretty Hate Machine. Mm-hmm. Caused problems because they wanted the next album, the follow-up to be like Pretty Hate Machine, and Trent was not into that. So I'm so glad it wasn't yeah. just another Pretty Hate Machine, and then he went in different wild directions. Yeah. So, so glad. You know, I wanted to talk about Now I'm Nothing, and we I totally forgot about oh, that, because can... I think that that's a good bridge between Pretty Hate Machine and Broken. Oh. Um, maybe it... we'll talk about it when we talk about Broken. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, <laughs> that sounds good. Broken's short. But I feel like it's going to be a very long episode, just right? Because it, yeah, because I so have a lot to much say. happens. It's such a cool album. You can write it down so we don't forget to talk about. Now I'm nothing. The okay. song I always forget about. So now so, go if you can. We review uh, the Pretty Hate Machine era ratings while you have that out. I just want to know what I gave everything because I've not been recording it like you have. Um, we didn't give a rating to Down in it because we were still just figuring out how to do the show. Mm-hmm. I don't know what order you're listening in, but this may be talking about the future. I don't know. I gave Pretty Hate Machine a 7. You gave it a 7.5. Okay, stand by that. Uh, And some fans are probably saying, oh my God, how do you not give it a perfect 9? I think it's great. I just think they have a a lot of room to grow, and I'm so glad that he did grow a whole lot. At this point, they were growing, not a showing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. His dick was not all the way hard. Um, it wasn't completely hard till Big Man with a Gun, as he tells us. 
Uh, <laughs> I had a boyfriend who said that. What, he's a grower, not a shower? <laughs> yeah. Was it me? No. <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck said? Oh, no. It's, it's who I think it is, right? Uh, he said that? It, I, Your long-term well, boyfriend? We were joking. I'll we're cut it joking out. Joking around in All bed. Right, gross. Am I? No, we're not going to talk about that. We'll talk about it later. You're a girther, not a birther. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god, that's the funniest thing I've ever said. I can't believe he just came I'm up. I'm so drunk. Wow, that's the first. <laughs> Maybe the funniest off-the-cuff shit she's ever said in a podcast. And we've done a lot of podcasting oh together. Oh my god. I can be really funny when you just let me. Sometimes <laughs> when you're drinking, oh boy. Sometimes when I'm drinking, I'm the funniest. This is going to be a lot less funny to lived. the listeners. Guys, I you threw, come so, hang out and drink with me. Now I don't have my notes because I threw them at you across <laughs> the room. Sorry. And I hit her with my notes because I was. This good. abuse, man. Oh my God. Okay. We gave Head like a whole. The Halo. Uh huh. Remix album. I gave it a five point five. You gave it a five okay. out of nine. That sounds right. Sin. I gave a five. You gave a six point five. Love. That's love where that we are. Cover. And uh, these all seem low, folks. But I, I'm telling you, I, I can't wait when we get to downward spiral. I'm gonna give it a twenty. I mean, I can't even express how good they get. I'm excited. Hey, while we're on the subject of Queen, when I was flipping through all those... Are old... we on the subject of Queen? Well, I was talking about how I loved that Queen cover. Okay. So we were... I was flipping through... Sorry. I was flipping through these old issues of Spin and Rolling Stone and whatever that I had today to get material, research mm-hmm. material. And um, Trent once confided... I think this was in like an, a Spin article from like 1992. Mm-hmm. And he said... The death of Freddie Mercury affected me way more than the death of John Lennon. And I was like, that sounds right. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, fair buddy. Who do you think? Were you ever a John Lennon boy? Kind of. Because I'm a little bit of a Beatles head person. Mm-hmm. I just I like you're not the, a McCartney, are you? Paul McCartney's a fucking dork. <laughs> no, Ringo Starr's the fucking dork. The real, the one I really like, the one everybody really likes, Georgie. is of course George. Yeah. yeah. Also, the handsomest. Yeah, obviously. Handsomest Beatle. And the most talented. And the nicest. And the best songwriter. And, and the his nicest. Son is just the cutest. Had the best solo career. Got my mind set on you. Are you oh. kidding me? Ah, oh, so good. I love that video with the cuckoo clocks. Is that got my mind set on you? Yes. Okay. I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> You'll have to watch it. He's just like sitting um, in a chair and there's like all these clocks. And I, I, if I remember, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Listen. Anyway, this is not a Beatles cast. Can I go on a, a short rant? Okay. I may or may not cut it. What? It's it's about tickets to concerts and how I was listening to our last podcast. I think it was for Sin, right? And we were so hopeful Mm-hmm. Talking about getting tickets, Were we? Oh, tickets to go see Nine Inch Nails in Cleveland. I was like, buddy, we're going to do it. I missed those first two <sighs> pre sales, but I'm going to get it whenever it's just open for the public. And I, yeah, okay, gosh. so it was the day after my birthday that they went open to the public. I woke up, logged in immediately to I know. our computer. My I friend know. Crystal also logged in to try to oh get tickets God. for us. Really? Yes. She was like, I'll help you. I'll help you. So she signed in as well. 
The fucking scalpers, man, and their bots. Could not get tickets. I hate them. And guys. This whole system's rigged. Here's what I think. I have a whole theory about how Ticketmaster owns. What's the company that resells the tickets? StubHub. StubHub. I feel like they own them. They're probably all one big conglomerate. Who knows? They probably get tickets. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. Here's what I'm saying is please don't buy scalp tickets because... No, don't ever do that. The only way this shit is going to change and fans can actually get tickets at fair prices is if we don't buy them. Stop engaging. And then artists will get pissed whenever they go to shows and there's no one fucking there. I know some of y'all are out there spending $700 on a ticket. People will quit using bots to scalp the tickets if they're not making money reselling them. Just stop buying fucking scalp tickets. And also the... Industry shouldn't use Ticketmaster anymore, but I know that's like a very radical change, but still they should. Uh, They tried it once. Why don't they try it again? Because we don't have Eddie Vedder out there speaking up for our rights (laughs) on Ticketmaster. Um, Anyway, I'm just very sad because we were not able to get tickets. Part of me hopes that maybe closer to the show, scalpers will get desperate and lower the prices. That's probably not going to happen because I feel like people will buy them. Eventually they will cave in and they will pay I'm $500 for general admission floor tickets yeah, or whatever. They're already doing it. I'm too old to go to these festivals. And I, I tried Come so on. hard to get Blake to go to Riot Fest. I was like, we'll no, do... Wait. I was like, hey, we'll do the VIP It's so we can come and go we're if too we please. Old for this. No, I'm not. I'm not too old. I want my own private box. I want to go... Anyway. The last day of Sunday, Riot Fest has so many good bands. So I'm sorry it's my true. husband is being a curmudgeon and yeah, won't go. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're going to go to something. But also, uh, if anyone is listening that has any kind of influence with Trent, you should have him tour with Health again so I can see the two together. That'd be pretty cool. Thank you. Health. So thanks for subscribing. Um, If you haven't already, go listen to Pretty Hate Machine now. If you're listening in chronological order like a purist, purist (laughs) feeling, uh, listen to Pretty Hate Machine and so on and so on in order like that. We're going to do all the halos and... Mm-hmm, I yeah. hope you have a lot of fun. Yeah. We're going to take a short break. We will come back with Broken. It might not be a break when you hear it. It probably won't when you hear it, but. Yeah. Broken. I got I got some research to do, and I'm also going to make Blake watch the Broken Ooh, movie. I haven't even He's seen it. He's never seen it. Yikes. So. A snuff film. Ooh, boy. I mean, you've seen you've seen the videos like Happiness and Slavery. Yeah, I mean, Kenyan. this stuff is rough. But. Anyway, we don't have to get into all that now. What any last purest feeling thoughts that we forgot? I really like the sleeve you designed for me. I'll I'll mm-hmm. post my uh art. I made custom <laughs> artwork. Yeah, my last thought is I made my own custom artwork fe- featuring an old new wavy portrait of Trent because mm-hmm. I did not like the original bootleg artwork that came out in like 1994. Because it's like basically just broken with yes, three images. Some on top of it. really lazy, uh, brilliant graphic designer took the broken. Uh, scheme <laughs> and just stuck some yeah. pictures of Trent on and it's not creative and it doesn't fit. Uh, so anyway, I think the one I did was fun, even though I'm not very talented. I'll post it. You'll see it. It's cute. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for subscribing and supporting us and mm-hmm. we will be back soon. <laughs> or- Bye, piggy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bye, everyone. We need a better thing. Yeah, someone help us with the sign-off. Do we have...
have to have a sign off? Can't we just end it? Fans. How about, how about I just start talking and talking and talking and you just cut off abruptly, like in the middle I of talking. Do that. Like a very like a very Trentian kind of thing. I like, want fans to send in suggestions, maybe based on Nine Inch Nails lyrics for a way of saying goodbye. You know? How about just, you know, wave goodbye? I know there's the whole wave <laughs> goodbye thing, but I want something that's really clever, that really cooks. Okay. Like, uh, see, I can't come up with anything. Okay. I got, I got to say one thing. What? I'm bad at puns, so don't ever ask me to create a pun. Ever. I'll take some time and I'll think about, I'll come up with something. All right, bye. I love you, everybody. <laughs> you told them you loved them. Love you <laughs> for giving us money. Bye. Bye.